Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and we are back. And uh, joining us on the phone is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, one of the things, Jeff, I know you were hearing kind of the end of my conversation with Greg, who you know, he actually helped out with an event you were involved with with Ann Fisherman a couple of years ago. Um, uh, yep, he, one he of the, came up and helped one with of the, one of the uh, camp fish sessions. Yep, and one of the advantages we had in where we were fishing in northern Minnesota that there was another lake 10 minutes away if we didn't like the conditions on one or if the wind was blowing the wrong way or if this particular species weren't reacting. Colorado, we have limited surface water. We have some of the best fishing I've in the world if you get it at the right times and the right places. But it also can be difficult and water levels fluctuate. And right now we're running into some problems with water levels out in the northeast, aren't we? Yeah, we definitely are. You know, the, the water in Colorado is... Most of it is owned either by uh, farmers or municipal users, you know, the cities. And so when we have dry years, um, they need the water to, to either, uh, you know, keep you to be able to have a shower or to uh, make our crops grow. So the lakes suffer from that. And they do. And unfortunately, uh, Jumbo, which is a wonderful fishery out there, is in a, in a salvage state. Bring us up to date on that. Is there still boat access or what's going on there? The last I heard, boat access was limited at best. Um, more than likely, you're going to be shore fishing. If you go out there, make sure to bring some sort of a, a rubber boot or, or hip waders because a lot of the way to get in there you're going to be going through the mud and muck that was used to be the lake bottom. So it takes a little bit to get in there. The good news is there has been some rainstorms out that way, and hopefully the demand for the farmers will drop off. And, and the last time they did a salvage out there, what happened was they put it in salvage. Boat access got shut down because it dropped so low, but then the farmers got enough moisture that they didn't drain it all the way down, so the lake was able to rebound a lot quicker. Let's hope that's what happens right now. Um, but they're they're so concerned. They basically have said, you know, go use your your normal angling methods, but we're going to take the limits off because we're afraid we're going to lose all these fish. And what species are typical of a jumbo? You know, Jumbo has a few bass, not a whole lot, but it has really good crappies, catfish, and walleye or, or sawgye out there. So those would be the ones that I, I probably, and bluegill, uh, those would be the ones you're probably going to catch the most of during a salvage operation. Know that with the low water level, that temperature is going to get a lot higher, and that oxygen level is going to drop. So the fish activity is going to be the most kind of in that real early morning hours. And as the day goes on, those fish are going to become more and more lethargic because they just don't have enough oxygen in the water to, you know, keep them as active. So if you're going to go out there, I would target that early morning time frame as your best opportunity to get fish out there jumbo. Now, um, 
there's a lot of people that love to go to that northeast area and if they were planning on jumbo there are other lakes out and although it hasn't been some of the fishing we expected out there this year there still are opportunities what are you hearing about some of the other lakes in that general area yeah i mean it's it's a struggle for a lot of them uh, pruitt is dropping pretty quick it had been um fishing pretty good if i was going to go out with a boat the lake i would target would be north sterling that's the one the south boat ramp is still open it's about a typical level and so it's uh you're going to be able to launch pretty well you're going to have an opportunity at crappies walleyes you know there's some drum in there as well so that's the one if you're going to go out with a boat i would definitely target north sterling or go up to McConaughey. McConaughey is still fishing really good. If you're looking at shore fishing or limited to shore fishing, then, you know, maybe Pruitt along the dam. That can fish real good this time of year. It's got big crappies and good walleyes in there. And then Jackson is closing the boating uh, tomorrow the 7th at 7 p.m. They are locking the gates on the boat ramps. They said it's real marginal about launching boats right now. But the boat ramps will be closed tomorrow at 7 p.m. So the opportunities to use a boat out there are gone. You still can use hand-launched craft, but they do want to make sure that uh, you're aware that if you do get into an emergency situation, that because they can't launch their boat, uh, it's going to take longer for them to get out there and and assist someone. So uh, do take it easy. Those lakes can get real windy real quick. So pay attention to the weather and keep yourself safe. Now, a little bit closer to home, Bar Lake is kind of in a similar situation. I expect the boat ramp to close there within days. Um, And the fishing, some people have done really well. You know, across all these lakes, Brad, somebody's catching the fish. There's, There's catchable fish. They haven't, even though they haven't performed the way we thought they would this year, somebody always figures them out. It's a shame. Hopefully we'll get enough rain and we don't lose more fisheries and we can see these lakes rebound uh, next year, and we'll keep people posted on all of these as we go. What about some of the places closer to home on the Front Range, like Boyd and Horsetooth? You know, I've been on both those lakes uh, this week a couple times. Boyd, the lake level is dropping. Both Boyd and Horsetooth, the, the level is dropping, but they still are able to use the ramps. Boyd, they did close the, uh, the Heron Cove ramp, which is normally considered the jet ski ramp. So the jet skis are launching on the normal ramp, but the normal ramp is open, doing good. The lake's about 13 feet low from where a full pool is. So it's about where it ended last year for the people that go out there. But uh, what's happening at at Boyd, as, you know, Nate was talking about all those shads starting to to hatch and, and getting to be the right size for fish to eat, it's changing the bite up a bit. But the one thing with those shad getting the right size that happens out at Boyd, and I know this is one of the things you love, Terry, is the white bass activity is really turning on. And if you get out there on the right day, that that surface and that boils can just be absolutely phenomenal. Well, it, it, it is one of my favorite ways to fish because the action is so incredible. In fact, there's a video on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, where we go out and target those schooling white bass as they push the shad to the surface, and it was virtually a fish on every cast. Now, one of the things with those white bass, Brad, is if you are 
having problems finding the boils, a lot of times you can locate them on your electronics and catch them with a spoon or a jigging wrap. You definitely can do that. The one thing you're going to have to do, if, you're, if you've got the live sonars, you know, all the manufacturers are making them, you're able to, to look around and see where they are. These, these schools are moving really quick. So if you can find an area that's got multiple schools in there, sometimes you have to use your side scan or, or use your, your electronics to, to find those fish, get on them, and then as soon as you lose them, start looking again because they're covering, you know, a large amount of ground really, really fast. And um, the other thing with those, you know, getting the spoons and stuff, if you're able to find those schools of, of white bass around, and you get below them just a little bit lower, the trout are starting to really turn back on again. And some of the bigger trout, you know, I each trip I was out uh, this past week, we got uh, at least four to five trout in that, you know, 14 to 16-inch range. And a lot of them were associated to, to those schools of white bass, but they're down a little bit lower, you know, more in that 16 to 24-foot range. Those trout are down there where it's a little cooler. They're a little more comfortable. But what they're doing is they're feeding on the easy pickings of those white bass go through there and slash at every shad they can. And there's a lot of those crippled shad that just start fluttering down below those schools. And some of the other predator fish will just be down there and and, uh, get an easy snack in. A lot of times you can pick up walleyes or even bass doing that too. Yep, very much so. And, you know, speaking of bass, the... The bass bite up at Horsetooth is is still going pretty strong. Uh, the fish are moving out just a little bit deeper. But, um, you know, I was out there last night, and there's a lot of, of numbers of bass like normal, but the average size, you know, there's getting to be a few more of those bigger bass out there, uh, bigger being, you know, those 14 to 16-inch, you know, maybe a 17-inch fish. So you can definitely go out there right now and chase those bass around. And if you're wanting to target big walleyes, there are some really big walleyes out there. So um, those are mainly getting caught at night. But um, don't overlook that opportunity either. So what kind of presentation were you using for the smallmouth? Most of the smallmouth, you know, it was it was a jig in plastic or kind of your typical drop shot type situation. Um when they get out to the depths that they're in, you know, kind of that 15 foot and deeper range, electronics becomes a real key because you can drive around on the pieces of structure, whether it's a point or a hump or a flat out there and, and figure out where those fish are associating on that piece of structure and really fish those concentrated areas. If you're just casting, there's a lot of areas that aren't holding many fish. So, Rely on those electronics, and that's going to really increase the number of fish you're going to catch. And as they settle onto these deeper points, jigging wraps are going to become an alternative. Uh, last year, Karen and I were out there and put a number of big fish in the boat, although Karen seemed to keep getting unhooked on the biggest one. She she has a few choice words for jigging wraps because if they can be thrown quite easily because of their weight. She's making you, a you know what? case at you. Let, let Karen know that we'll go out there, and I've got a few tips and tricks to keep uh, fish buttoned up on jigging wraps, and, and we'll get her all dialed in. Yeah, well, she usually is dialed in, so once in a while i got to have something to get on her about. 
So what about any other bites? Have you heard anything about Glendo if people are looking to head up to Wyoming? Yep, you know, Glendo is definitely uh, still has a solid bite going on. The lake's dropping uh, pretty fast. It it had dropped early, and then it kind of stayed steady through the most of the month of July. It just slowly dropped, and they have pulled the cork on it, and it is dropping fast. So what people are finding is they're finding a lot of those fish that normally have associated with weeds, you know, and either suspend over them or, or are right there in the weeds, they're starting to pull off to the main structure, the big points, the big humps. And, you know, right there with a, a jig in plastic, a jig and wrap or a spoon will produce a lot of fish. Just really pay attention because what typically happens with Glendo is it starts to drop and it's going to drop here for a little while. And then all of a sudden they're going to, you know, have most of the irrigation done. They're going to stop and they're going to fill it up a little bit. And as soon as they kind of stop that or start filling it up, those fish that have been on the, the tips of those points or the, the outer edge of the big structure, as that water starts to fill back up. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a broadcasting today on ESPN. We usually broadcast on 104.3 The Fan. We switch back and forth. We will be back on the fan next week. If you like what you hear, join us from 9 to 11 there. Then I think we're back from ESPN and then on the fan for a few weeks. But right now, let's go to the uh, go to the phones. And uh, joining us, he's been off for a while. He's been gallivanting around the country. And one of our favorite contributors, Ben Garcia from Hideaway Kennels. Good morning, Ben. Morning, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We just had a little technical difficulty there for a minute, but I think we're all hooked up. You know, I'm suffering out here, Ben. I'm on the shores of Lake Superior, looking out at the rock outcroppings, just, you know, this, but this spectacular view of the fishing, I'm doing this just for the listeners. I take no personal pleasure in it. It sounds really rough. You know, I mean, that's, that's like what I was going to call you when I was in California drinking wine and just rub it in a little bit more. I know you, I thought, I thought you would when you were out in California, because yeah. you know that, I spent some time out there. We're going to have to get together someday and share a meal and a nice glass of wine, but that's a conversation for another time. Ben, I've uh, listeners, I've had some listeners go back and forth and people sometimes don't understand, you know, we're getting, we're not that far away from bird dog seasons, whether it's upland right. game or waterfall. And one of the biggest obstacles sometimes can be getting a new dog used to gunfire. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, that's one we get a lot of calls on because it's obviously the one that a lot of people worry about, you know, and it's it's a legitimate concern because, you know, dogs hunt. You know, I mean, all dogs hunt. They go back to wolves and wolves pack hunted, and, and the gun is the one thing that's not natural for them. You know, I mean, they can they can point a bird, they can flush a bird, they can retrieve it, but the gun is the one that, that as an owner, we have to work on with the dogs. And I think the one thing people do, and we had some calls this week also about it is, that old that old idea of well just take them to the gun range have them in the car shoot and then they should be good for a hunt has nothing to do with hunting because it's it's not the same imprint you know Terry if if you're out hunting there's there's weeds there's water there's all those different things that have factors to it um, compared to the range you know I mean there's some good things you can do um, as a puppy you know like we like to clap our hands when we're calling puppies and make a popping sound um, you know I don't typically bang pots when they're eating. But um, I like to clap my hands and just get them used to that when they're retrieving. And what that does is it starts getting them used to a pop 
and, and come back to me with the bird and the excitement, and that's good. But the one thing you have to have um, before you start that gun work is, is one, a solid foundation of obedience, you know, so your dog's under control. And, and two, is a really good retrieve. So the dog knows, hey, I, I, the gun goes off, I retrieve a bird and bring it back to my owner. Um, you know, and that's the key foundation right there is that your, your foundation is solid. The dog trusts you. The dog trusts training situations. And all that needs to be present before you start the gun work. When, uh, when we opened the kennel, you know, 20 years ago, one of our first clients, it's a famous story I would tell everybody, um, was a dog named Buddy. And he, um, they had never done a gun intro with the dog. They had never done a bird intro with the dog. They would never done a lot of obedience. And then they took him out, threw him in a goose pit, lit up four 10 gauges, and uh, the dog just urinated himself, you know, had a bowel movement in the blind because it was so scared of what was going on. And uh, they got the dog out. The dog saw the bird. It was wounded. It was a goose. They sent it out after the retrieve, and the goose just beat the crap out of this dog. And um, with its wing, it tore him up a little bit. And uh, the dog was ultimately gunshot and birdshot, and they had nothing to fall back on. So you just want to make sure you have something to fall back on so you can build that dog's confidence back up if you do have a negative situation happen. Is there, a, is there a particular age of a puppy or young dog that you would first expose it to an actual gunshot? And then how, and, and then how do you do that? Yeah. So how we do it is, I mean, like any, you know, I like to start puppies around the age of five months. I, I think they're learning. I think they, uh, they haven't formed many negative habits. Everything's brand new for them. And um, I like that five month age, but how we, we do it is, we, um, our first week we have a dog in for training. We do our obedience with them. We do some clickers, some tree training, get them used to coming back to us. And then we do um, bird work for two weeks with the dogs. So we have that trust with them and fun stuff going on. But we do it based on the retrieve. So we have um, a bird launch or we throw a bird for the dog and that, they go get the bird. And then we start the gun off at 100 yards to 200 yards and bring it in five yards each time to chew. And um, we like to do it north, south, east, west. The dog hears it from all directions. Um, that way, if the dog, if you're hunting in a field and somebody's hunting next to you, if you have a partner hunting up a ridgeline from you, if that dog hears that shot, they're associated with it. Um, we do the cap gun first for a week, and then we do the shotgun um, for another week. And then sometimes we're getting those dogs out, depending on the dog, twice a day, because I'm used to it. So I just don't believe in that shoot once. They didn't seem scared take them out and hunting, because I've just seen it backfire way too many times. What about, is there value once you get them fairly well started of taking them to a gun range and maybe not at the actual firing line, but, you know, there's a lot of times there's dog-friendly areas at gun ranges yeah. near the parking lots or the buildings. Is that a plus or a minus? I, You know, I mean, I think any time you spend time with your dog is a plus, and if that's something you want to go do to bond with them, that's great. I, I necessarily don't see anything positive in it that you're going to gain. You know, I think if you have that much time to go pet them around a gun range, you have that much time to go train. You know, like I always tell everybody when we get done wrapping their dogs up with training is if, if you have time to watch a commercial, if you have time to, to watch TV or to take them for a walk around the block, you, you have time to train. You know, and I think we miss opportunities to train because we want to find something that's comfortable and rewarding for us, but not necessarily for the dog. So we have a couple minutes left here, Ben. We're going to, yeah. you know, we're not, hunting season's going to be on us faster than we know. Both right. people with experienced dogs and people with new dogs point out maybe a couple of the mistakes that happen this time of the year. I, I think um, 
one is people not grooming their dogs. You know, typically with dogs with fur, you want to groom them in, in the months to begin with A. So, you know, April, you want to shake your dog down because to feel cut because they get their winter coat. And in August, you want to do it because you're going in the fall and, and you want to get rid of some of that summer hair before you start hunting. I think that's one. I think um, the biggest one I think that I see is dogs not being in shape and then um, getting pushed in the heat. I mean, you know, Terry, it's been hot. I mean, it's been really hot, and that's when injuries happen if dogs aren't in shape. So I think um, that's the other one is you got to get out with your dog and start getting them in shape before hunting season because if not, you're going to have an injury or dehydration happen. And and the other one is just not putting a plan together. I mean, you always talk about having a plan before you go do something outdoors, and that, that's getting the calendar out and writing your goals for this week, writing your goals for next week with your dog and, and reaching those goals and evaluating what you did right or wrong in your training. So I couldn't agree more. And I, I'll tell you another thing, in addition to getting the dog in shape, a lot of us hunters get out of shape this time of the year too. We're doing other activities, maybe having more picnics and uh, it doesn't hurt for us to get out and start working with the dog. So we're both in shape. It is. I mean, like we, we have elk season coming up here, you know, in September and, and me and my wife, and we, we started working out in July to get ready for that, you know, and, um, and it's one is it's the responsibility of getting that meat out. You know, I mean, you don't, you want to be able to pack out an elk, but the other part is, so you don't have injury, you know, and, and, um, you know, you don't want to cramp up and be hurt getting out, you know, but um, there's, that's the thing that not a lot of people think about is like upland hunting you know, how to be in shape for upland hunting, you know, like, is, is that doing the treadmill? Is that running at night? Is that doing lunges? Is that doing deadlifts to pick up things, you know, getting your dog in and out of the box, you know, because the last thing you want to do is, is get a dog, get a train, get ready to go. And, and then you get an injury that takes you out for the season, you know, either your dog or yourself, but yeah, humans really do not get themselves in, in shape for upland hunting that they should, or even waterfowl. I mean, you know, let's, you've, got, you've done waterfowl enough, you know, sludging decoys through muck and waders is not easy on the legs, you know, and you better be in shape if you're really going to dedicate a season to duck hunting for that. And so, All right, we are out of time. Obviously, from what you said, we're no more trips to Napa for you until after hunting season. Yeah. <laughs> and if, <laughs> yeah. yeah and if, if yeah. people want to find, if people want to talk to you or use your services, how do they find you? Yeah, they can find us on Facebook at Hideaway Kennels, or they can look on the Internet on HideawayKennels.com. We're happy to talk to anybody about their dog. All right, Ben. We will talk to you again very soon. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Be safe. Thanks, Ben. You bet. Ben Garcia. Let's go right back to the phones. And the sponsor of this segment is joining us, and that's Sean Early from Elkwoods Insurance. Good morning, Sean. Hey, good morning, Terry. How's uh, Minnesota? It's You know what? I... I, I want to say it's miserable, so people feel sorry for me, but it's wonderful. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we we had we just talked a little while ago about our week fishing up to this point in the center north central part of the state, along some of the most famous lakes in the north in North America. And now I'm I'm broadcasting today from the shore of Lake Superior. I'm sitting in a cabin at Larson's Lakeview Cabins, and I could virtually um, spit into the Lake Superior from where I'm at. So it's, it's a, it's a, what a gorgeous, you're looking out over the expanse of this lake with the rocks. It's just fantastic. Are you, I understand you're on your way to go do some fishing now. I'm sitting on the shore of John Martin Reservoir right now in my truck. Okay. And are you going to be kayak fishing or shore fishing? Uh, we're going to do some, both. Uh, 
probably kayak fishing primarily. That way we can just be out of the heat often and take a dip if you have to cool down. And I know you fished John Martin before this year already, and you go there on a semi-regular basis. What are your expectations? you think you're going to see the white bass, the saw guy? And what is the lake level for people who are coming out? It's pretty low from where it was even in May, and it was down from the year before. Um, I just talked to the parks people, and they're trying to bring the water level back up. So that they've slowed down the water coming out into the spillway. Um, I think that we're going to have a real hot white bass trip, though. Well, I tell you what, when those white bass get going on John Martin, it's a kick because, I mean, you can just have all-day constant action, and and just what a fun way to fish down there. John Martin, you know, as long as they can keep water in it, it's a tremendous fishery. You're camping down there, too, I believe, aren't you? Yeah, we're staying at the Hasty Campground, and it's, beautiful it's right next to lake hasty it's on the east side of the dam so you have access to that spillway where i was catching a bunch of walleye last trip so so i guess that uh well we should let you get at it before we let you go we should talk about an insurance product since that's how you pay for these fishing trips and a couple of things i know uh, a couple of things you wanted to talk about i know the first one was we talked last year about insuring your personal property, but you said, you know, we should have mentioned RVs like motorhomes or trailers because you can actually add those to your auto, auto policy and get a multi-vehicle discount. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So alongside your truck on your auto policy, I can write your camper or your RV policy right next, you know, along with the policy. Now they give you the multi-vehicle discount if you don't already have that, but also it carries the same liability liability limits through the policy so you don't have to have two separate policies for your camper or rv that's really good and another point you brought up to me earlier in the week we were talking and that's a lot of people don't understand the problem with uninsured motorists yes uh so in the state of colorado right now unfortunately they they say that 23 percent of drivers on the road are uninsured and so i always recommend adding the uninsured motorists Um, endorsement and so that way if something does happen and you are hit by a driver that does not have insurance or is underinsured um, your insurance carrier will then take over the remainder of that balance and then get your car fixed or replaced tell people some of the companies you represent and how they get a hold of you so i represent all 14 different carriers but the major ones that people would know are progressive nationwide safeco State Auto, um, and then I have some Allstate and then some non-standards as well. Um, All of my contact information can be found at www.elkwoodsinsurance.com. All right. Now, so we're going to let you go because, you know, your mantra on the show is that people need to spend time on the water in the field. You'll do their insurance shopping for them, but we're going to let you spend the time on the water now, so we'll let you get back to it. I appreciate it, Terry. Uh, Have safe travels home, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Sean. That's Sean Early from Elkwoods Insurance. And I tell you what, he's been a good partner to the show. He understands he's an outdoorsman. Yeah, he will shop your insurance for you while you're spending time. That's kind of his mantra, but his company is based on honesty and integrity and treating people like family. And when you call him about insurance, you're more than likely going to get a fishing or hunting tip from him, too. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, 
We're going to be joined by JR from Colorado Clays, and we're going to talk a bunch of things, including the upcoming muzzle loader season and dove season, which you know is one of my favorite ammo burning activities. We'll talk more of that and more on Terry Wicksham Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoors on ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Usually we broadcast from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. But today we are broadcasting on ESPN from 10 to noon. We are on the shores of Lake Superior. Let's go to the phones in one of our favorite contributors, J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. You know, I was thinking about you earlier in the week before we came up to Lake Superior, and Greg Claude and I were pitching for some bass and some of the thickest weed cover I've ever seen, and I wondered if you put that new rod and reel to a test yet. You know, Terry, I did take it out, but all the weed lines have gone away in Bar Lake among many of the other Front Range lakes, so I didn't get to test out the true backbone of that rod, Um, but it's coming. I just got to find some weeds and some bass. Speaking of Bar Lake, before we get to your segment, uh, is this boat ramp going to stay open much longer there? Well, you know, Terry, talking to Michelle, I actually sent her a message about that. I had to go through a foot and a half of water to get on the main lake. I would say we're days away. She agrees. Um, I might do a test run Monday to see if it's still doable, but, uh, again, it's it's right at the end of its uh, range right now. We are seeing some of our waters um, get low early this year, so hopefully that's trend won't continue but we are also seeing a lot of hunting seasons and shooting seasons creeping up on us before we get to those you guys do a just a ton of major fundraisers out there do you have a set format that the fundraisers have to use or can they get creative well terry and that's such a good point so much to say about that and you know colorado clays being our public uh premier public shooting facility and voted Colorado's number one shooting range for a number of reasons, you know, ranging from the state-of-the-art rifle and pistol range, our shotgun options with trap, wobble trap, skeet, sporting clays, training traps, uh, shotgun patterning, that large variety of classes and individual instruction we offer for beginner and advanced shooters alike uh, for rifles, pistols, and shotguns, and, of course, the best staff in the industry and much more, but in addition to that, like you said, Terry, this is Colorado Clays really is the number one venue for any type of event that includes firearms. And it really doesn't matter if it's a small event for friends and family, uh, bachelor, bachelorette party, birthday celebration, uh, team building event with employees, coworkers, business associates, or a large group such as those company picnics, corporate events, and of course the ever popular fundraising format that we offer here at Colorado Clays. Uh, Something we don't talk about enough is is what you just said, Um, how much anyone can customize their event using all of the options Colorado Clays offers that make your event well-suited to and fun for all of your participants. Um, We're easy to schedule and carry out with our systems. And best of all, we can make your event truly unique with some fantastic options available to everyone Uh, For example, Terry, our 2,400-square-foot party tent with tables and chairs, our PA system with wireless microphone, 
uh, sheltered pavilions on all of our ranges, courses, and fields, that little small meeting building that has air conditioning, heat, refrigerator, counters, which is available to everyone, catering and food and drink options. You can do it yourself or have us help you. And among the most popular this time of year is a variety of shooting games that can be blended into your standard event that will make it something that everyone will be talking about and excited to do the next time. So, yeah, Terry, if you're considering any type of event, be sure to call and see what we can do to make it special. Yeah, I just you guys just do a cater to. Well, I first got introduced to you guys by attending, uh, I think it was an event for 4-H and a, a shotgunning event. So you really can cater. And I know how much community involvement you love having the nonprofits out there and what it means to you and, and your facility. You guys have just been involved with the community for so many years. Now, I want to move on because we've got some hunting seasons coming up. And a couple in particular, we'll get to dove season in a minute. You know how I feel about that. Oh, yeah. Muzzle, muzzle loaders coming up. And muzzle loading season, a lot of people need to get out. They need to be out shooting right now. And a lot of ranges allow muzzle loaders. What you, what, tell people about the muzzle loader access at Colorado Clays. Well, Terry, our rifle range is a state-of-the-art NRA-approved facility, and it's very muzzleloader friendly because we do have that open-air design. And what I mean is our shooting area, our stalls, um, is all covered, uh, lighted, um, radiant heat in the winter. But that open-air design downrange means you'll have natural light and airflow, um, and you're going to be shooting into a dirt berm, so it's very outdoorsy to start with. We do have 50 and 100-yard target options for getting on paper and of course that famous video viewing system on the hundred where you literally have a monitor in your bay and you can just look up and see where your uh, target your uh, bullets are hitting uh, of course we have the option of sitting standing or shooting prone so you can prep for any condition you might come across and uh, as a matter of fact terry we actually have 209 primers for sale for those of you guys using those as your caps so uh, Colorado Clays is ready for you, and I agree with you, Terry. Now's the time to go because we always know what happens later. The mad rush comes, and it just gets harder and harder to get your dial in. Well, with ammunition as hard to come by as it can be at times, knowing they can get the, the primers and caps from you, tell us again what you have. Uh, 209 primers, so just the standard Winchester 209, which is what most of those muzzleloaders are using now. Uh, I do have tens of thousands of them available, so make sure you come out and grab them. Or if you're coming and you don't have them, we've got you covered. All right. Now the last thing, it's going to be honest before we know it, and that's dove season. People who follow know on my Facebook page this time of the year, I usually post a little cartoon. It's two doves sitting on a fence. And they're supposed to see me coming across the field. And one of them says, is that the same guy as last year? And the other one goes, yeah, we should be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, absolutely, of, Terry. <laughs> you, know, you know, but I think dove season is a conspiracy by the ammunition makers to sell more shotgun shells. But it is, in all seriousness, it's a great, great way to get youngsters into shotgunning. And it's a great way to keep your game sharp for the even the advanced shooters, and it's a lot of fun. But some people use it just as a tune-up where they'd be better off to tune up shooting some clays first and then go dove hunting. 
Absolutely, Terry. And, I, you know, we talk about this is really the way a person should do it. Come to Colorado Clays, pattern that gun, even the dove gun. Make sure that your point of aim and point of impact are where you want them. Check your pattern diameter, your pattern density, and your pellet distribution um, with that given uh, choke and load. Uh, first thing, just make sure everything's where it needs to be. And, of course, we have all of the options, Terry. That trap field is a great place to knock the rust off and just get the fundamentals down, uh, get back in rhythm. Uh, skeet field, a lot of guys do that. Skeet is such a great game for gun movement and body positioning. Uh, the lead and the follow-through and those fast-crossing targets um, can, can really get you going as far as – pursuing, tracking, and following through on targets. And, of course, as always, sporting clays with that great variety of presentations that can prep you for most shots in the field and particularly allows you to focus on those shots that may give you some trouble. Um, so at Colorado Clays, you can shoot as many or few shots as you want at any different target you like. So our course is really totally designed and uh, friendly to someone that wants to come out and take their game up a notch and work on what they need to. And, Terry, I will say this, too. So uh, Colorado Clay has that ammo that we're going to use not just for the targets but for hunting. So if you want to come out to Colorado Clays, purchase some practice ammo, and then buy some to take with you so you're hunting with the same ammo you target practiced with, uh, absolutely do that. Well, you know, I saw this preach. I was cutting out a little bit. I, unfortunately, for some reason, really deception. I'm not uh, cutting out a little bit. you hear me okay now? Yeah. I got you now. I got you now. Okay, yeah. I, I think that the audience heard you just fine, so I was just being – I was restraining myself and being quiet, but that wasn't easy. <laughs> right, Terry, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the last thing I want to mention before we go, rifle season will be on us soon. And people just wait always too late to take those rifles in, check their scopes, and sight them in. Are you starting to see people show up now? Do you, when do you start doing focusing on that at Colorado Clays? Well, Terry, we we have that available all year long. But, yes, we're starting to get the early birds that realize it's going to get harder as it gets later, that realize they need to get their ammo, they need to practice with the ammo they hunt with. And, yeah, we're here. We're starting to get some, and I would encourage everybody to get out here and get those guns dialed in, uh, get your ammo choices made, and uh, by all means, uh, beat the rush. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know how many times we've seen – a person come in just a week or two before hunting season and there's a broken scope mount or or something wrong with the scope or it's it they need to get a replacement or need to have some work done and sometimes especially with the way supplies are available you can't get it done in time now yeah agree terry and now's the time to to go ahead and flush out those gremlins uh, because we all know how the wait times are if you do have to order something we all know how inventories are at the stores uh, get ahead of the game because it might bite you later if you don't. Okay, and the last thing is when I get back from this trip, where are you taking me fishing? Well, Terry, it depends on how long you mess around out there, first of all. But I think we may have to head closer to the hills uh, to find some water the way it looks. And uh, I'm all about that. It might be a trout trip. A trout trip. Well, that's okay. We had a trout trip earlier this year where we actually did very, very well. Yeah, yeah, I love catching trout, um, and I'm hoping they'll be cooperating. We'll go up and get into them. 
The only reason I like bass fishing with you, though, is that I kick your butt. <laughs> Occasionally, and I will admit last time, uh, but if we're going to go there, Terry, maybe I ought to throw something in about your conspiracy theory on the ammo manufacturers and the doves. What you call a conspiracy, Karen and myself just call entertainment. So just, just throwing it out there. All right. All right, my friend. You can have a rest of the day. How's the weather out your part right now? That's actually beautiful right now, Terry. We're in the 80s, a little bit of cloud cover, perfect day for some shooting. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again in a couple weeks. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. I love to go back and forth with him. You know, we are so fortunate and so blessed to have such great partners on this show, not only for the quality of their services and the way they treat people, but that they're Almost every partner on this show is an outdoor person or they're involved in the outdoors, which really, really helps us uh, when we send outdoor people there they understand your needs. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, I'm going to wrap things up here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on ESPN. You're just a teardrop in my eyes each night. I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep. You're an empty bed beside me in the early morning light. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. The teardrop in my eyes was actually a cut from the EP that Mark Dobrith, my musical partner, and I have out. You can search Wickstrom and Dobrith. Uh, both on any streaming service or on social media and find out more about our music. We appreciate you listening as I give myself a shameless self-plug on the radio. It's my radio show. I guess I can I can do that. We'll have to find out if I get in trouble or not. But we're going to wrap the show up over these next few minutes. There are a few things I want to touch on. One is the water levels in Colorado. Both the water levels in the lakes, and especially our northeast and southeast regions of Colorado, and also uh, the rivers up on the mountain areas over by the Colorado, there's been the water temperatures have been running warm. So we've had some fishing closures on some rivers because of warm temperatures. We covered those a little more last week. We've had some boat ramps closing in the northeast. So really need to check before you go on a fishing trip. There's still lots of great fishing opportunities, but you might have to adjust your plans. Hopefully, this will get enough rain and cooler weather to turn this all around so we won't see any damage to fisheries. But we want to be aware of that and uh, what's going on and not have it interfere with your your plans as you head out. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, next week, we will be back on the fan. If you're hearing the show for the first time, we normally air on 104.3 The Fan from 9 to 11. By the way, this is our 25th year. We just celebrated our 25 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the radio, and you folks made that possible. Um, And by not only listening to the show, but by supporting our partners on this show. So if you like this information, continue to do that. But also, we're back on the fan next week at our normal home, but then the Broncos the week after that are playing at 11 o'clock on the following Saturday for a preseason. So we'll be back over here on ESPN. Then I think we have a stint of a few weeks on the fan, and we have one or two football games uh, sprinkled in where we might get moved again. But we'll always post on our Facebook page. 
If you follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we'll let you know if we're not going to be from 9 to 11 on the fan. We had an unusual run of a number of ESPN programs this year because of Broncos training camp and then the Broncos preseason game being on a Saturday early. Normally it's just a half a dozen times during the year we go to ESPN, but we love our our sister station ESPN and our, our home away from home. And as always, we podcast everything. So we podcast it both by the total hour, where you can go listen to an hour at a time, and that would have all the commercials, be a full-hour broadcast. We also podcast it by the segment. So let's say you wanted to go re-listen to our dog training segment about getting your dog used to shooting that we did with Ben Garcia. You go to 104.3 The Fan, go to my page at 104.3 The Fan, and you'll see a list of the individual segment podcasts that you can download, you can listen to online. And my podcasts show up on Apple and everywhere else, too, and Spotify. So you can find them in a lot of places. But the easiest way is there. Also, we try to take some of what we think are the more pertinent and timely segments from the show, and we re-brought, we put the link to those podcasts on our Facebook page, the uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. A lot of the fishing we talk about, both as we travel the world and right in your backyard in Colorado, you can find videos on that fishing at our uh, YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Cherry Wickstrom. We did 22 seasons on television, and a lot of those shows still have a lot of timely, good information in them. So take a look at that. But the important thing is follow us on Facebook at Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on in the show. As you know, we're we're taking a trek through northern Minnesota. It's it's like kind of old home week for Karen and I. Um, we spent the last week at Little Winnie Resort in northern Minnesota, which is right surrounded by Lake Winnebogoshish, Leech Lake, Cass Lake, Ball Club Lake, Bowstring Lake, some of the most famous walleye fisheries and muskie fisheries in the country. Also, great bass populations and panfish populations. We were fortunate to stay at a very centrally located place called Little Winnie Resort, which is on a smaller, about a thousand acre lake that has some great variety of fishing. But then you have access to these incredible fisheries. We caught a limit of walleyes for a fish fry for three of us one day. We caught some nice bass, a lot of pike, we caught some panfish. Then last night we drove up here to uh, just outside of Grand Marais, Minnesota. We're on the north shore of Lake Superior. Uh, Last year, Karen went out and put on a clinic as we caught, with the help of her cousin Eric, we seem to be a lot of relatives involved. Karen's smiling at me because we're both from up here, so a lot of the places we visit are with our friends and relatives. But she caught salmon and lake trout and uh, steelhead out here in Lake Superior. And right now I'm looking at the lake. It looks pretty calm and fishable. It's beautiful. The sun is starting to burn through the fog here on the shores of Lake Superior. There's a large rock outcropping right outside our window. Seagulls tend to sit on it. I'm sure we'll have a glass of wine on the patio and enjoy that view tonight. But if you want to experience the North Shore of Lake Superior, a great economical place to come with great rustic but modern cabins, as far as the facilities and the way they're taken care of and kept up. We're here at Larson's uh, Lakeview Cabins. Now, they don't offer fishing here. They just offer the cabins. But there's guides right in Grand Marais that can take you out fishing. You can, they can put you in touch with somebody to arrange a trip. If you just want to experience what it's like to be on the North Shore, 
North Shore of Minnesota on Lake Superior is so different than other parts of the state. This huge lake, Gitchigumi, as the Indians call it, is massive, and it never gets extremely warm, so it tempers the temperature where it might be 80 or 85 in the central part of northern Minnesota. It might only be 65 or 75 here, and it's just it's got this ocean feel to it because Lake Superior is so big, and you've got the rock outcroppings and the big boats out there, and it's just a tremendous experience if you've never been in this part of the country. And the north woods up here, to explain to people as you drive down the road and you look at the north woods, there's a lot of places where you can see just a few yards off the road because the forest is so thick here. But then lakes are everywhere up in northern Minnesota. It's the land of 10,000 lakes, and it's just a gorgeous place to come. We have lots of great outdoor activities in Colorado, and we'll continue to bring you those. But every now and then, we love to take you on a trip with us. We're going to wrap things up. I want to thank Ty for coming back in while Jake is out being a daddy. Thank Karen for help keep me in contact. We did have a couple technical difficulties. I apologize for those. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on ESPN.